Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, people. So, welcome to another episode of On the Sofa with Sisu. This week on the podcast, we are joined by a special guest, Nelson. Nelson. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. <laughs> um, and this week on the poddy, we talk about everything from DEI being a way of just being. We talk about um, ways to get into the club, the three different ways of getting into a club. We talk about differences will be the, your greatest strength. It's something that Nelson shares with us. Which you, great story, so get into it. We also touch on some word on the street about wheelchair access and teachers striking. And it's a very interesting conversation this week with our special guest. Get into it, people. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. Hello, our Sisu Society. Welcome to another lovely episode of On the Sofa with Sisu. Um, Louise is not here today, peeps. I am, I am here on my own. I am lonely. I'm so lonely. Um, yeah, Louise is unfortunately not with us today. Um, she has... Uh, her prior engagement no she's unfortunately yeah she's not able to make it today to the studio so I am recording on my own but very luckily have a lovely guest which who I'll introduce in a minute but normally at this stage in our in our poddy I'll ask Louisa how was your week and Louisa will tell me all about her week but so instead I'm going to ask myself Ola G day how was your week um and my week <laughs> my week was really good thank you for asking um yeah so my week has been jam-packed as ever um I actually had a really amazing day yesterday um so Sisu has sponsored an award it's the first time he sponsored an award which is cool we sponsored a well-being champion award at um the opera Oprah's as I got told yesterday it's not called the Oprah's it's called the Oprah's um and the Oprah's um is a, an award um award ceremony that's been put together by a company called Otolo. And Otolo are a mentoring company um, who do mentoring, facilitate mentoring for um, the hospitality industry. Um, and the Oprah's is the Otolo People Recognition Awards. It's happening in September. Um, and um, we have sponsored the Wellbeing Champion Award. And so yesterday was the judging day. So we went through all the nominees for loads of different categories. Um, and they had over 400 people nominated um, in total for, I think, 10 different categories. Um, and um, we had to whittle it down to five, top five for each category, um, which was, it was hard, especially the wellbeing. I did the wellbeing champion and behind the scenes um, award. And both awards, actually, anyone to, in, to, in my eyes who does anything around well-being is a champion because it's not something that we know a lot about. It's not something that we learn a lot about. And so actually anyone that's able to champion it in any shape or form for me is like, you're a champion, you're a winner. Um, so it's very difficult to then say, oh no, you're you're actually not doing the best you can. You could probably do more. It was, it was a really bizarre judging uh, panel, but we had some really interesting conversations. And actually I picked up some really great tips from some of the nominations that people were doing stuff. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea jot that one down um so yeah that was that was my day yesterday and it's just such a nice heartwarming thing to do when you're on a judging panel because you just really opens your mind up to how many different people are doing some incredible stuff in and around 
you know, the hospitality industry, but also just in general. Um, so that was my day yesterday. Um, and what else have I done this week? I've had some really great conversation with some potential clients. Um, I had, I spent, I spent a long time with my mum this week, which is, for those of you that listen to the podcast, you know that can sometimes be quite testing. Um, but it was actually all right. She bless her. She, she I th- as parents get older, you realise that they stop being parents and they start being your, your, you know, your little kids, and you have to look after them. And so my mum called me one day and she's like, "You know, I've been asking you to look for a holiday for us. We want to go on a cruise." And I was like, "I'm not your travel agent." Like, you can call a travel agent, you can email them your full-on details, and they will find you a, a holiday. But last time they went on the cruise, I curated their cruise for them, and they had the best time for their 60th. They're now going to be 70, so they want to do exactly the same thing again. And mum wants to use the same budget that she had then to go on a cruise now. Their budget then was £3,000, I think. And I, she was like, yeah. I was like, how much do you want to spend? She's like, yeah, just the th- like 3000 3000 like for 10 days to the Caribbean maybe or Canada or India or anywhere in Asia. And I was like, yeah, I I feel like you, and I, well, no, no, wait. And we want to fly only business or first. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, love. <laughs> Hold up, mum, um, you know, cost of living crisis. Have you heard of it recently? And um, she was like, no, I don't think it should be that expensive. Anyway, so they spent three hours going through loads of different options for loads of different cruises, which was fairly entertaining to to, to be part of. Um, left her with six options, but I didn't realise it was going to take me so long. I thought I'd show her like the website and how to use it, and she would just go off and do it, but she actually wanted me to go in, cost every single cruise up, find the hotels, find the flights, um, and write, have her write it all down so she can then present it back to my dad, like a little presentation. Um, which was that so that that was my week everyone my week has been s- dynamic interesting and very very uh funny so yeah that that's that um but uh today i am joined by nelson nelson derry who allow me to introduce nelson so nelson is an esteemed figure in the realm of culture diversity equity and inclusion as the global head of ESOP, Nelson holds a pivotal role in fostering an environment that embraces and celebrates these vital values. Nelson's influence extends beyond the workplace, as he is also a best-selling author of the renowned book *Rise of the 2020 Leader*, which delves into the intricacies—I can't say that word—intricacies of leadership, culture, inclusion, and high-performing teams. One of Nelson's not- notable attributes is his talent for sh- storytelling, which I absolutely love. It captivates audiences with his narratives that shed a light on the power of diverse perceptives and the importance of inclusive leadership. With each tale, Nelson inspires readers and listeners alike, igniting their curiosity and the desire for positive change. Nelson's exceptional contributions have not gone unnoticed. His dedication and expertise have earned him prestigious accolades, including recognition from the Financial Times and Empower, who have named him among the top 30 future leaders in both the UK and in the US for his remarkable efforts in advancing workplace inclusion. Nelson is a true visionary, driven by his passion for cultivating inclusive cultures, empowering leaders and creating environments where every individual can thrive. 
Through his groundbreaking work and captivating storytelling, Nelson continues to shape and inspire the future of diversity, equity and inclusion. Welcome, Nelson. Thank you so much. And thank you for that rather generous introduction. <laughs> and um, it honestly is um, such a such an honor to be here with you. Um, I know we've had a number of conversations and shared perspectives and, and values. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to getting into this. So thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. And so love much. your week, by the way. What a week you've had. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, here I was, I was like, Bliminek, how am I supposed to follow that? Um, <laughs> My weeks are but, always um, really, really interesting. I, 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 sometimes it gets to the end of the week, I'm like, God, you've gone from here <laughs> to there to there, but it's been fantastic. It's been great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing. But how was your week? Um, My week, so it's coming to the end of. Um, it's coming to the end of kind of the school term, actually. Um, and so usually with the, what comes with the end of school terms is uh, sports day, mm. <laughs> sports day for the kids. Yeah. Um, and with that, the, the parents race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard about this. <laughs> that comes through. Yeah. Do you know what? It's really, really interesting because um, when the parents all line up, they forget that they are, the ages that they are <laughs> and they didn't go through the whole thing of stretching beforehand yeah but it, it is not about uh participating it's all about winning, winning. Yeah. and honestly in the parents relay race um there was scars and blood everywhere because yeah. literally you'd have these parents sprinting their hearts out, <laughs> some of them pulling hamstrings, others diving <laughs> as they're getting to the end and skidding across the grounds. And I was looking at this this whole thing thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> these people are reliving their childhood. And this is absolutely not about participating. It's about, you know, the winning that counts. So, I mean, that was just that the vision that that's going to stay with me forever. It was just absolutely brilliant. Um, but this week has been good. I, I've had my my cup uh, refilled by speaking to some really, you know, some really good friends and um, and kind of colleagues and people who kind of really fill my cup and mm. I get wisdom from. And, you know, I was just thinking about your kind of what you're talking about from a well-being perspective. And, you know, I I certainly have tried to get better at surrounding myself with people who, um, when I walk away, I feel more energized. I feel lifted up Yeah. versus sometimes the people who might, <laughs> yeah. or the situations that might bring you down. So this week has definitely been a lot about kind of refilling my cup, which is good. So it's 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 got me to a good place. I love uh, that, for refilling this, this your conversation. cup. I'm going to definitely start thinking about I think every so often you need to refill your cup, especially in this space that we're in, that we are constantly mm -hmm. working in because your cup is being drained or taken out of constantly. So you have to find ways to refill it and, and actually surrounding yourself with people that are able to, you know, gas you up is also a great way to refill, refill, refill your cup, but also just people that are able to question and ask you the right questions and tease things out of you. I think so. I think you're right. And, and, it's it's such a multifaceted role, right? Mm. Um, you know, you're ranging from big, heady strategy through to influencing without authority. But, you know, a lot of 
a lot of the times it's about individuals reaching out and sharing you know what they're going through and sharing their challenges yeah um and you know every time you know if you're going in there with positive intent and to really empathize then um you know it 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 takes it t- it takes its it takes its toll yeah, um it after does. many months after many years um and so i think recognizing that and um protecting your own energy um to make sure that you're 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 able to serve <laughs> you're able to serve for a longer period of time is really really important um and so part of that for me is there's many things that i do but part of that for me is actually the people i surround myself with yeah. um and just making sure that um they help me see perspective um because i'm sure you can empathize a lot of this work that we do sometimes is very invisible mm. and it's good but not good enough because the work is never done <laughs> and yeah. so i think the well-being of of us as practitioners is also just something that's i think is important it is it really is and i think uh, i when i when i really started getting into the 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 nuts and crannies of of this work and actually started mm. to really feel an impact on my well-being i you know that's when i i went and and went and, and I, I i looked for a uh, a counselor or a therapist because i thought it was mm. really i needed someone to talk to that wasn't in my circle about the stuff that i was dealing with on a day-to-day basis and without any sort of like judgment or questions or whatever um, and, and I found it really useful just having someone to talk to externally uh, about mm. about some of the stuff, especially when I was in the in the heat of of the moment when all the stuff was going. When I first started at Turtle Bay, there was a lot to deal with, and actually, mm. I, yeah, it's, it really helps. And now I've, I've I'm trying really hard to build kind of like that network of other DEI practitioners who you can talk to about some of the stuff that you are dealing with. And also it's quite nice to hear that you're not the only person d- dealing with the same issues because actually, the, you know, as, as especially in the UK, most of the problems are very, very similar for most businesses. And actually you can share war wounds and sometimes you can share plasters um, as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And actually that really brought it home through our conversations actually um when you start to realize ah okay there are kind of shared challenges and shared issues and um and the fact that you can have a community and a circle of people where you can work through some of these challenges together yeah um i think it helps with you do you know what aside from just from a well-being perspective and be able to 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 kind of share the share the conversation um, I think it also helps with your blind spots as well. Mm, yeah. Um, because, you know, you're you're often, I'm sure you are, right, talking to people from different industries, um, from different types of organizations um, that are going through different aspects of their journey, their commercial journey, whatever it is. And you can get trapped in this paradigm that you're in and this ecosystem that you're in. And often actually getting a different perspective on the same topic can be a real unlock. Um, I think so. I also value that actually. So I completely agree with what you just said. Well, but yeah, because I think, I, mean, I think people forget as well that we're all human in this space, right? And, and when you're dealing with any subject, you can only, mm-hmm. you, you look at it straight away at the first of all, with your own lens on. And then if you're a good DEI practitioner, you will put other lenses on and try and understand it from other people's perspectives. But there'll always be a lens that you are unable to put on because you may not have any 
idea of what that experience would look like because you haven't had a chance and opportunity to learn from that experience. And I always yeah. say that to people about certain things. I had a conversation with a, um, a person a couple of weeks ago, um, Elaine, and she runs a disability inclusion workshop. And I always think from a disability lens is one of the lenses that I can talk about very, very top level. But when it comes to understanding some of the deeper experiences, I can't speak openly about it. So speaking to her one afternoon and listening to some of her experiences and some of the way that she does training, I was I left again feeling like my cup was really full, but also feeling like this is something that I need to ensure that I learn more about. Um, and so mm. I'm going up, I'm going to go now and do some training with her because I think it's really important that as a DEI practitioner, you are trying to expand your your horizon and understanding and your knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I think whether or not we like it, we're all we're all riddled with biases, right? We're <laughs> all um, we're all trapped in our own paradigms, um, and um, that's often not by by design (laughs) it's the environment that you're that you're in and that the people you surround yourselves with and so forth and um i i like what you said because you know i think part of self-growth is actually proactively leaning into spaces and areas where you're not quite sure and you're Mm. not quite comfortable and but going in it with humility (laughs) with positive intent um i think is a really really important starting point and also realizing that actually you know, you're not expected to have all of the answers. Yeah. And that's okay. And actually, that's okay. And that is right? okay. It, yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. I, wish, I wish everyone would understand that we don't have all the answers. And it's okay mm. that we don't have all the answers, but we can. I'm more than happy to go out and find the answers or get someone else in to explain the answers. But I can't answer everything and you can't answer everything because we're humans. 100%. Yeah. And there's so many layers Mm. so many layers around this <laughs> around yeah. this topic and it's evolving and so yeah i completely agree i completely agree i feel like we've jumped into the conversation before we've even done our icebreaker mm. but it's fine i feel like <laughs> i feel like today's today's uh, episode peeps is going to be it's going to be different it's going to be wild it's going to be random <laughs> just go with the flow um but i will do our icebreaker um which is i've got a question for you and the icebreaker question is who was your favorite teacher in school and how did they impact you sorry i was just uh, choking <laughs> on my juice <clears throat> yeah clear my throat up um excuse me so this probably wasn't scheduled in for the uh, the podcast is your your uh, guest dying on it no please don't i've switched the camera <laughs> So, um, my favorite teacher was a guy called Mike Potter. Mm. Um, and if we get a chance through this, uh, through this conversation, I'd love to, um, get into kind of where I grew up and so forth. But Mike was both a geography teacher in my primary school, but also a PE teacher. Mm. And, um, I grew up quite humbly in Kenya and he would be the guy who um, I loved to play the piano but didn't have a piano at home and so he would open up the um, I guess the music room before Mm. school started Mm. so I could go in there and tinkle around with the piano and teach myself how to play the piano 
he would be the one who, after school, because I loved sports, would uh, stay with me and play football with me or play cricket with me or keep the equipment open for an hour just so that I could engage and and do those things. Um, He was the person who um, just really, truly went above and beyond Mm -hmm. um, as a kid. And if I'm honest with you, kind of made up for a lot of the things which I which I actually missed out growing up on. But right. yeah, he's a real, real inspiration. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Love that. Love that. Great answer. Um, I actually wrote this question and I and then as I read it just now, I think I don't think I have a favorite teacher. <laughs> so I don't know why I've put this in because my answer would be I didn't I, I didn't enjoy school. Um, but if I had to pick a favorite teacher, I would probably say the one that stood out the most would be my food technology teacher because mm. it was a subject that I I really was able to, um, I guess, excel in. Um, and I found my passion for food and for cooking. And, you know, I think it was probably at that point when I was doing food technology for my GCSEs, that I realized that I really wanted to open my own re- uh, restaurant and I wanted to be a chef. Um, and so I guess if it wasn't for her, maybe not I found that passion as much um, or refined some of those skills um so yeah and 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 baking was a huge part of our final exam and I now love baking so and I love making cakes (laughs) and I remember for my project my final project we had to make like a a signature um like celebration cake and so I made which is weird because I I always feel like when I was in my head when I was younger I didn't have the best relationship with my father but yeah I made a father's day cake which wow. only just clicked in my head now, which is weird. I'm on a journey as well, everyone. I'm on a journey. Um, <laughs> but I made a Father's Day Burberry shirt and tie cake. Shirt and tie cake. So it was like a, it was a shirt, like a folded up shirt with a Burberry tie and a Burberry shirt. Um, and I made that as the Father's Day cake. And I still remember it. And I thought when I, when I finished it, I remember thinking, oh my God, this looks incredible. I wish I had pictures of it. Um, but it was incredible and it really made me feel like I knew what I was doing when it comes to baking and now I've just I think as the years progressed I've just I've just got better at baking and and I really enjoy it and I love making cakes and I love making celebration cakes and I've made several for my friends and my friends birthdays and stuff so yeah maybe my food tech teacher had a larger impact than I thought she did wow do you know what there's something about food that just brings people together yeah um you know you can be from whatever culture, whatever background, but food is the thing that really ties people together and, you know, ignites conversation. So if I was to come around to your place and you had to bake some, a signature dish, what would that be? It really depends on the the type of time of year, to be honest, and Mm. how how I'm feeling. And if I'm feeling lazy, my thing that I moment that I continuously bake for everyone, I think everyone's starting to get a bit fed up of it, is (laughs) is a cookie, it's a cookie dough pie. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> it's very calorific but i love ba- i love making it because it's easy to make but also it gets such a huge like everyone's face is like oh my god like, that <laughs> looks ridiculous and i love that i love that kind of like reaction and basically it's like cookie dough with whatever filling so depending on who you are i'd, a- I'd ask you before like what's your favorite chocolate or what's your favorite biscuit and i'll fill it in the middle with the chocolate or the biscuit that you like and then it's got cookie dough on top and then it's and then it's got loads of like caramel sauce, sauce, salted caramel sauce, chocolate sauce on top. But it, oh. it's 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 one of those things where you only really need to have a little tiny slice before you feel a bit sick. But it is yeah. it is like a it's like a one of those um, 
oh my god moments when you when you see it yeah you eat with your eyes first don't you yeah exactly exactly yeah gosh i i don't think i'd be having a small piece i think i'd be devouring the whole thing so, uh, but you better you better make enough for uh make enough for four i will i'll have to make some for you one day um but yeah so thank you so much for doing the icebreaker so this is now the part of our podcast that our lovely listeners and viewers will know well it's called what's the word on the street and normally louisa and i will sing it but I'm going to just sing it on my own today, peeps. What's the word on the street? Word on the street. Word on the street. Word on the street. Word on the street. Insert here, James. What's the word on the street? Word on the street. Word on the street. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is where we just talk about some of the things that are going on in the world. And we have a uh, we have a person on the ground. And we call man on the ground, person on the ground. Um, and they help us just to pick out some of the, 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 the headlines. And the first one is, um, I've, that we've been sent is, um, about the pay pain isn't over about the, um, government was suggesting that the public sector pay settlements above 5% would add to inflation pressures. And this was despite the fact that it was still equated to significant real term um, pay cuts and public sector settlements do not directly add to pricing pressures. So on Thursday, the government accepted settlements of up to 7% across the range of jobs as re- recommended by the pay review bodies. Um, I don't know if you've been following the the, the strikes and stuff um, for teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the, and, and the, what, well, there's been loads of strikes, the teachers, the doctors, the nurses post office yeah everyone yeah i've, I've definitely uh, experienced i've definitely uh, with kids um seen some of the the teacher strikes yeah for sure so i think they've now come back and said that the teachers can now get a 5.5 or 6.5 percent increase the the teachers had actually put in for an 8.5 percent increase um but the government came back um, early on this year and gave them another percentage but said it would come out of the current budget um, and now they have come back at 6.5 and said that it won't come out of the current budget. It, it will come out of their own funds. Um, and I think they're in the process of then voting to say whether or not they are going to agree with it. But I think that a lot of the um, unions are telling them to, to take the, to take the, the, the settle, settle for the 6.5. Um, and I was talking to so my partner as a teacher and I was talking mm. to him last night about it. And, you know, I think... The frustration, obviously, is that they want to continue to fight for what they deserve, but you know the flip side is when they when they strike, they don't get paid, and as, as the teachers don't get paid a lot of money, if they're striking twice a month, that has a huge impact on their on their pay packet at the end of the month, which then also means that a lot of teachers then decide that they can't do the strikes, so then they choose they opt not to strike that day and go into work, which then you know, doesn't actually have the impact that it needs to have on on the in the schools or in in the society today. So, it's like a real catch twenty two situation. So I feel really sorry mm-hmm. for 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 them. And I'm, and I, but I think it's good that the government has offered to to make sure it doesn't come out of the current budget. Um, mm. I don't know what your thoughts mm. are on, on on the matter. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as I haven't been following it too too deeply, but one thing I'd say is, you know, as a kid, um, there's a couple of um, I'm generalizing a little bit, but the, the, you know, there's a couple of really, really important people early on in your life. Um, one is your caregivers mm. and um, and your parents, um, and the other is your teachers. Mm. And um, 
I, we can never underestimate the impact and the influence that they have on the next generation. Yeah. Um, and really just see that, um, acknowledge that. And, um, you know, they work incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I used, I, I, I did a, a gig as a teacher in Japan for a year. Really? And that was hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I split my time um, in the classrooms and also teaching adults. Okay. And I really look forward to teaching the adults. Um, <laughs> but it was really challenging teaching teaching the kids. It just just because the the age they're at, it takes a hell of you know hell of a lot of creativity, uh, innovation to keep them engaged. Mm. Um, it's 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 really hard work, and they're doing really really important work as well. Um, and so that, that's what I'd say is, you know, I think it's really important that we kind of recognize that and see them um, and, yeah, make sure that they, they're they also rewarded, uh, you know, accordingly. Um, and I think I was having the conversation with Sean yesterday and and, and he gets very, he can get very um, passionate as you, as, 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 as you can imagine. You've seen Sean on the podcast. He's been on here before. So you've seen mm. his, his passion, but he is, he gets very passionate about the fact that, you know, they they don't get the the they don't get what they deserve, and I don't think people recognise that you know it is hard work. Um, and people, what then people think about teachers, they think oh it's it's an easy job because they only have to work from nine till three or whatever, and then they get six, they get twelve weeks off a year and blah blah blah. But you know I listen to some of the things that happen in some of the, in the schools where Sean's working, and you know those kids, some of those kids are are going through a lot of of. Of difficulties at home some of them are have learning difficulties some of them are very neurodivergent um and their parents have no idea how to deal with them and so you know teachers are a far cry from what they were when we were in school they they are now your teacher your counselor your parent um your dietitian like they do so much more than just teach um yeah. and i think it's 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 sad that we haven't given them the the um i guess the acknowledgement for that hard work um because your kids are in school what six hours a day five days a week that's what it's long it's a long time that they're in 100%. school that they are being looked after by someone else um and actually some well, parents don't even really acknowledge the teachers or even thank them at the end of the year and it is a bit of a thankless task to be honest i wouldn't at one point i wanted to be a teacher and then i dated a teacher and i was like actually i'm okay mm. <laughs> yeah no you're right and and you know, it's interesting because we were sort of drawing parallels earlier. I'm not not saying it's exactly the same, but sometimes, well, too often the work is invisible and yeah. it goes unseen. Um, all you see is classroom content delivered. Mm. What you don't see is the little conversations happening hundreds of times throughout the year. Um, the character building, the shoulder to cry on, sometimes the person to guide that particular individual you're right it's so it takes a special kind of person to be able to do this kind of work actually it really does it really mm. really does so mm. that was the first bit of news that i saw that i was like oh this is interesting another bit mm. of news with which i i haven't actually read it properly but the headline was i was like this is interesting let's dive into it was a wheelchair user was trapped in reading flat after the lift broke down um, and a wheelchair user has described being trapped in my own home for almost a week due to the lift being out of action. Um, Jamie said he had not been able to leave the second floor flat in, in a block in central Reading since Saturday. 
It left him unable to go to work and caused him emotional distress. The property management company responsible for the flat said the lift was fixed on Friday after delay due to sourcing a spare part. And this just goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, we're not seeing and understanding the experience of other people and understanding the knock-on effect that something like that can have on someone's life. So obviously mm. Jamie is in a wheelchair, was a wheelchair user and without the lift, there is no way that, that he can get to work, can get to the shops, can, you know, do anything. Um, and it really, and the reason why I wanted to bring it up is just because, you know, we were talking about the, the different lenses and I think it's, I always call upon people to un- to try and empathise with with what the experiences that other people might be going through because I think sometimes we do sit in this silo of just like oh it's just a lift just people can just use the stairs but that's because we're able to use the stairs and so it's so easy to come from a place of privilege and just go well they can just use the stairs it's not that not that difficult um, mm. and that, I wanted to bring it up because I think a lot of people don't think outside of those kind of silos and it's important that we start to all think about other people other people's experiences what other people might be going through how our actions or inactions can impact those other people around us yeah and i think i think um empathy just doesn't doesn't just happen right i think you need to work at it you Mm. need to like intentionally work at um this first being a behavior that you do and then when you repeat it enough times you get the compounding effects of it being a habit um and then it scales right and mm. and i just think um the i use the word intentionality a lot which is if you don't intentionally make something first of mind as a first principle in the way that you're thinking about it mm. things like how are you designing a store how are you designing a building how are you um, thinking about the consequences of something going wrong is not a first principle and so therefore you get trapped in your own paradigm in your ecosystem you don't think of other people Mm. right so it's kind of like how do you create a system around you um that make that forces you to 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 think about it as a first principle and if you don't have the answer and you have blind spots to actually invite other people (laughs) right other people with different perspectives and experiences and if you're going to be designing something a building or whatever it's sort of like who are the people that this is going to serve yeah what are their experiences going to be and what are their barriers and challenges going to be first principle question Mm. and if we could and i i constantly have to remind myself to do that as well um you know but but i think that is yeah that's that's really really important and just as you described the headline in the the paper like these are the consequences this is a an individual who's who's been further further restricted in um in the environment that they're in which is you know really is unacceptable it really is um and yeah so i just thought i'd bring those two articles there's loads of other stuff that our our man on the ground said but i I mean i'm not going to go through them all because i think we've got a juicy conversation to get into so i want to jump straight into uh just getting to find out a bit more about you i guess um Mm. so i'm going to start off by by asking you just to share your personal journey um, and how you became interested in the field of culture, diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah, yeah. Listen, um, <clears throat> so I, you know, as I said, I, I, I grew up in Kenya. Um, I was raised by a really incredible woman, um, super entrepreneurial. The words courageous come to mind as well. 
um, and she also happens to be my mom. Um, she raised my brother and I um, by herself. Um, and we, particularly in the early part of our um, lives, um, grew up in, the, let's just call it the humble uh, part of, of Nairobi. Okay. Um, and, you know, we lived in a single room, which is not too <laughs> not much bigger than the dimensions of the room that I'm in right now, if I'm honest yeah. with you. Um, but you know what I'd say is what what we kind of missed out. My brother and I, my younger brother and I, missed out on perhaps the material things were definitely outweighed by the love, the life lessons, mm -hmm. um, the kind of the creativity, the entrepreneurialism of of our mom. Um, but you know, uh, I want to take you to the age of six years old. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where how old I was, and um, my mom had this big vision, and this big vision was, you know what these kids are going to get out of this situation, then education is going to have to be the key. Mm. Um, and so she made a decision. She'd saved up, um, she'd saved up a little bit of money and she made a decision. She made a decision that I'm going to send Nelson to a fee paying school, a private fee paying school. Um, so she'd saved enough money for that first year, <laughs> yeah. but she, uh, she didn't have a Scooby-Doo how she was going to pay for the second year. Yeah. Let alone the third year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can just imagine the scene, right? Um, all of her friends and family were like, Mary, are you crazy? <laughs> like, what are you doing? This is so reckless. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just so reckless. How can you do that? Like, that. this is the wrong thing to do. But she was determined. Like, she's a determined woman and had this vision. So anyway, she sits me down, right? And she goes, listen, Nelson, I have some, some good news for you. Um, you're going to be going to this new school. There's going to be loads of fantastic facilities. You'll be able to pursue your passions in sports. Um, and it'd be a really cool school. Um, but she said, I also want to tell you that you're going to be walking an hour to school and walking an hour back and a lot of your friends are going to be driven driven in fancy cars uh in sh by their chauffeurs or by their parents um you're going to visit your friends houses one day and you know they lived in beautiful beautiful houses i knew where i was um they'll talk about their holidays and i hadn't really been on <laughs> a holiday yeah. um but she said something at the end and she said but i want you to remember nelson that your difference is and always will be your greatest strength Ooh. Um Say that again. Your difference is and always will be your greatest strength. Your difference will always be your greatest strength. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you know, as a six year old you're like Yeah, okay, mum, get me to school. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but 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 that 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 comment mm. stuck with me. And you know, my difference when I started going to this new school was I loved everything to be doing with outside of the classroom. Mm. <laughs> I loved music and drama and sports. And you know what? My, um, my, I was very fortunate that my head teacher and um, some of the teachers there realized this difference and they were curious about who Nelson is and they found out about my financial situation. And I managed to get a pretty much full bursary um, to go to that school for the remaining, my remaining time there. Mm. And so my mum's courageous decision, um, she got a, she got that return on an investment, right? But fast forward and take you fast forward to the age of 12, 13. And um, I 
went to play a game of cricket for my school. And I thought it was just another ordinary game of cricket. Um, and little did I know that that was a day that was going to completely change the trajectory of my life. Um, so I was playing, playing, playing the day, playing cricket. And at the end of the game, there was a parent or a dad who had also gone to watch his son play. And we were playing against his son and his son's team. And he came over to me after the game and said, Hey, uh, I thought you played a good game. That was, that's my son over there. Mm. Uh, didn't really think much of it, to be honest with you. That's the kind of thing parents do after, um, yeah. after the game. Then the next day, my coach, I spoke a little bit about him. Um, Mike, Mike Potter. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he called me into the staff room. I was like, oh, bloody hell, what did I do now? <laughs> Seriously, you don't often get called into the staff room. Yeah. And he said, do you know what, Nelson? The um, gentleman you spoke to yesterday, um, he just happens to be one of the wealthiest people in Kenya and the wealthiest people in Africa. And we, we were talking a little bit about you because he was curious about you. And um, I wanted to let you know that he's made a decision that he wants to pay and sponsor you to go to school in the UK and continue your studies there and continue your interests and your passions in sports and everything else. So just, just so I'm clear about this, this was a complete stranger mm. who had nothing to do with me, nothing to do with my family, nothing to do with my school. But his gift that day completely, as I say, just changed the trajectory of of my life forever and I probably wouldn't be speaking with you today if it wasn't for that moment but there were other moments that happened before that right there was the moment where my mom said your differences and always will be your greatest strength and giving me the permission to be and live out my differences and the things that brought me energy mm. um, a guy called Mike Potter who is mm. there to coach and be there and really be my first kind of sponsor perhaps right yeah. and then this guy who you know just his his angel investment just completely changed everything so you know if I, I embedded deep in in within me is just this whole thing of paying it forward and this whole thing of how do you help people have the platform and the experiences where their differences really matter mm. and their differences really are their greatest strength so that i wanted to give share that story a little bit because that to my values yeah. um i, I can story. talk a, yeah i can talk a little bit around the transition because i wasn't always in this work yeah. um and i can get into that but yeah that that's i wanted to start with the fundamentals yeah and do you and do you think that i mean at the time i mean you probably might not remember but do you did was there anything part of you that felt like what, what does this mean why is he doing it were there, were there loads of any questions that where you kind of doubted this whole the whole thing yeah um it, it even today when i just talk about it it seems very surreal <laughs> i mean it's the kind of it's the kind of thing you'd watch in a and netflix a documentary yeah. right and it, it really is very very and even today just thinking about that whole experience just is just absolutely crazy um and um i do remember just speaking to my mom and thinking this is super unbelievable who is he mm. <laughs> why yeah. does he want to do this yeah. um and then because he was quite a public figure we got it was very easy access to understand who he was right, and this okay. was just a guy who was very philanthropic right. very generous 
um, and really kind of leaned in when it came to the community. Um, he hadn't done this kind of specific scenario before, but that was certainly the way he, he showed up. And so then you're like, oh, okay. This, this, this is a real thing and it kind of makes sense. Uh, but I agree. It's, it's, um, it was a very, very unusual thing to happen. Wow. Well, so, I mean, you started your career and you finished school in the UK, you started your career. What was the, what was kind of like your, your entry mm. into the world of work? What did you start? Yeah. With? Yeah. So I started in the, the heady word of, heady world of investment banking, um, and financial services. Um, I started my career at Goldman Sachs. Um, I went on to spend just over a decade um, at Goldman. I I call it my MBA. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough, yeah. right? It was challenging, yeah. but I learned a hell of a lot. Um, I and and it really schooled me in, you know, just how to be commercial, how to be strategic. Um, it schooled me in kind of leadership as well at a, at a very early age. Um, and, you know, I did a variety of things from, you know, running operational teams um, through to um, supporting our clients on, you know, different things such as mergers and acquisitions and tender offers and dividends and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then through to change management. So real variety in, um, in, in, in that work. But what I'd say is I like this analogy of units of time. So imagine if you have 10 units of time. Mm. Um I think most people desire to be spending at least seven of those units doing the things that they really enjoy and really love. Mm. And sometimes they have to like compromise on the three, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think it's like trying to get to seven to eight. So I had 10 units of time and there were, I always made sure I spent two of those units doing something that I really enjoyed doing. And for me, that was about this thing called D&I, culture, yeah. um, and it started with co-founding the Operations Black Network, um, which was one of the OGs at Goldman. I became a committee member of the Fermoid Black Network, running a number of recruitment and talent initiatives. So that's how I was spending my two, 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 units. two units of two to three units of time, right? Yeah. And that was a mirror across um, across my entire kind of career within financial services. Mm. Um, but what actually happened was, um, I think this was 2016, 2017, I was working um, at another kind of big bank. Um, and, you know, extrinsically, everything was great. Um, had this big job uh, leading the response on Brexit for the organization, oh, okay. you know, being paid a decent amount of, of, of money, big titles, uh, family was great. So, I felt things were great. Mm. And one day I was walking on my regular commute. And it's funny. It's funny the things you don't notice. I used to walk past St. Paul's Cathedral right. like every single day. Yeah. But it, you, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, St. Paul's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't really, don't really sink in, right? But that day I was walking past and there's, I think the choir was practicing that day. And um, they were singing the song Amazing Grace. And Amazing Grace is a song that my mom used to sing to me when I was younger. Mm. And for some reason that day, it I felt this overwhelming sense of sadness mm. and emptiness. Um, and I had to go and sit down on the uh, churchyard, on the courtyard of St. Paul's. And I started crying and bawling my eyes out for 
a good three hours uncontrollably. And I was just like, I, I, you know, whilst I was doing that, I was just thinking, why? Like, I don't know why this is happening because mm. it just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. And um, I, it took me like a couple, few days to just really process what was happening. And I felt this overwhelming sense of not feeling enough, mm. um, not feeling a sense of purpose, sense of fulfillment. And, and I think a bit, and I know, I remember a big part of this was just, um, I needed to disassociate myself with those extrinsic indicators and go back to the root of who I was right. and what, 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 what lit me up. Yeah. And I remember those two units that I just talked about. Yeah. I remember those are the things that really brought me fire and really wanted me to lean in. Mm. And so I was thinking, how do I make those two units become seven or eight units? Mm. And so I, um, I made a decision. I made a, a relatively bold decision. I, I, I remember thinking, okay, if I want to get into this work, I am going to be competing with other people who've been doing this work for 10, 15, 20 years, right? Yeah. And so I have this kind of analogy that I like to think about, which is called the, the third door. Okay. So um, back in the day when I was younger, I used to go to the club. Um, there's three ways in which you can get into the club, right? Yeah. You can get through the front door. Yeah. And you queue up with everyone else and, you know, you hope that the bouncer lets you in. Yeah. <laughs> right. You may or may not get in. Then there's the there's the VIP door, yeah. right, which is more expensive and, you know, and uh, you get VIP treatment. And then there's the third door. The, the third door is you do whatever you want to do, to whatever you need to do to get into that room, right? right. You go through the kitchen window, you go <laughs> through the back door, you sneak in through the VIP route, whatever you do, you get into the door, you get into the room. Okay. I just needed to get into the room. Yeah. And so I proceeded to send 150 LinkedIn messages to CEOs and executives of people who I admired and the you know potential influences in the work that I wanted to do. Mm. Um saying would you meet me for coffee and love to like you know learn about your business and also show how I can I can support. I got 145 no's <laughs> and 145 ghosts. But I got five but I got five yeses. Oh, there you go. And I got five yeses. And, and um, I was finally in the room, right? And um, interestingly, I got five job offers at the end of it. And it taught me something about having to think differently. And so that started my journey to shift my two units into seven or eight. And when I joined a company called North Highland, where I led their organizational culture practice, um, and so forth. Um, and so that was kind of my my transition. I think often the light comes after some darkness and some challenges and um, some truths as well. So, um, so interesting that, that that your awakening was was that walking past that one day, hearing Amazing Grace, having that moment, mm, and then having that mm, kind of realization that something needed to give or something needed to change. Mm, absolutely. Do you ever go back and, to St. Paul's and sit? So funny enough, um, I did. And I was speaking and I was talking about refilling my cup. And one of um, one of the people that refilled my cup is a lady called Rachel. I've known her for a little while. Really successful um, owner of an organization called, called Henka um, Leadership Consultancy. And we were meeting um, at the Royal Exchange. Mm. And so I 
remembered that I was going to walk past St. Paul's and baked enough time to go into the courtyard and sit on the seat mm. where this all happened. And I sat there for a good half an hour just reflecting. And this time, I remember feeling... By the way, this was just this week. Yeah. This was... What day were we on Friday? This was yesterday. <laughs> this yesterday. And right. this was absolutely yesterday. And I, was, I remember thinking to myself, what an overwhelming sense of gratitude I have and how I am in a completely different place. And uh, not just because of the role that I'm in, but actually just the mindset that I'm in mm. and a mindset of I am enough mm. and a mindset of I am not beholden to the opinions and the perspectives and the titles mm. and other organizations. Um and grateful that I was courageous, right? And 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 I and I did some bold, difficult things, mm -hmm. but often the best things come out of friction and hardship, right? Yeah, and absolutely. so, yeah, I have gone back just very, very recently, and um, I'm really glad I did just to just to mark the moment, actually, because you know, five years ago I was in a very different place. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a journey. I mean, it's 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 clear that the motivation for this space has always been there and needed mm. just realigning and readjusting the scales for your units um and i guess mm. my question would be can you think of any key lessons or insights that you've gained throughout your mm. journey now in the dei space because you've been doing it for you've been mm. doing it for enough time now nelson what have you learned that's right that's right that's right do you know what do you know what i say is i say um i say diversity equity inclusion justice belonging is not a project mm. it's a way of being can you make that into that some sort of poster so we can put it in every <laughs> single office around the yeah. world? But it's not a project. It is, it is a way of being. That's right. That's right. And it's a mindset shift. Mm. The moment you realize that it's a way of being, you realize that it it does have it does not have an end date. Mm. It is a transformation. It is an evolution, and it never stops. And so therefore, it always needs to be front of mind. It always needs to be infiltrated, integrated within everything that you're doing. It needs to show up in all ways. It is not an HR thing. Mm. It's an all of us thing. Yeah. And so that is the biggest lesson, one of the biggest lessons, which is around um, making sure everyone's on the same page around what this is and how how we need to move forward in this journey. Um, the other thing that I'd also just say is, you know, and, and this kind of talks to what we were discussing earlier, which is so many layers, it's so multifaceted and it's an, an evolving topic. Yeah. Um, there is a risk that you can boil the ocean and try and do everything and make very, very little incremental change in the ecosystem that you're in. And I think meeting the team or the ecosystem, the organization where it's at, is really, really important if you're going to make impact, right? But a big part of that is actually listening really deeply to what are the challenges, what are the barriers, what are the opportunities when it comes to this topic in this space, in this moment. And that's the important thing because 
what might be super relevant or a cha- bigger challenge right now doesn't mean it's it's going to it's going to be the same challenge forever right it yeah. it, it evolves right yeah. it, it might be if you're not doing anything about it but it evolves and so new challenges come up new opportunities come up right and so it, i i think being agile being iterative being intentional and meeting meeting the organization and meeting moments where it's at i think is really really critical um and it's definitely been a, a lesson that that i've learned because you you i loved what you said earlier like there is a huge risk of boiling the ocean mm. like a huge huge risk yeah. yeah yeah i love that boiling the ocean that's a, that's mm. a good one I, I'm, I'm just i'm taking notes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i hope everyone else is taking notes there's some real good stuff here peeps good stuff um so I guess with 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 anything, when you learn stuff, there's always going to be some sort of challenges along the way. Would you mind sharing some of those challenges that you might have you might have seen or you're still seeing right now or facing? Mm. There was um, there was this post on social media. I can't quite remember where I saw it. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to try and describe describe it, but it was these two cartoon images standing side by side, mm-hmm. and so. I'm going to try and describe it. So the first image was this individual um, sitting in front of a bunch of uh, a bunch of people and a bunch of leaders, mm-hmm. and then asking the question in speech bubbles, um, "Who wants change?" Mm-hmm. And everyone's like putting their hand up, right? And they're like, "Yes." And the speech bubble says, "Yes, we want change. We want change." And then the next image says, "Who wants to change?" And no one puts their hands up. <laughs> <laughs> the hands are down and i think some of the biggest challenges that people have to overcome is inclusion starts with i mm. inclusion starts with i and so if you want to see change you have to be part of the change that you want to see mm. if you want to see change you have to be part of the change that you want to see which means that you have to show up you have to educate yourself. Yeah. You have to lean in. You have to be intentional. And so I think that's sometimes a big challenge that many practitioners face, which is I think there's a willingness for change to happen, but it becomes a you problem. Mm. It needs to be a we problem yeah. <laughs> or a we opportunity or a we challenge, right? Mm. And so shifting that, shifting that understanding and that mindset is really important. And I think... You know how what p- p- part of um, part of I think what what needs to ha- what needs to happen is supporting, investing in people's capabilities around the how. Yeah. But then balancing that with accountability, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of I'm going to help you be the person who you want to become. I'm going to help with your education, um, invest in your capability give you all of the opportunities to be a more inclusive colleague, to be any more inclusive leader. Yeah. But you also need to balance that with accountability. And accountability means things like, from now on, the way we do hiring is we adopt these inclusive hiring principles. We're going to assess you based on your skills and your competencies and nothing else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, when it comes to um, what performance looks like, we're going to include this thing called inclusive behaviors mm-hmm. and we're going to objectively use those so there's one thing you're delivering on your commercial outcomes but how did you do that yeah did you alienate everyone did you yeah. were you non-inclusive how did you go about doing that 
that's the accountability um, and there's many other examples right but so i think it's 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 kind of like how do you help people realize the i and help them to live out the i in contributing to how they want to see the change but then balancing that with the accountability i think is really really important and i think that's probably the piece that gets missed off quite a lot mm. is that accountability piece mainly because I don't believe that a lot of people know how to do that bit around making people accountable for those actions and holding people accountable. I know that when what I've seen to, f what I'm seeing in the space, a lot of with our clients is, is they constantly want to be able to teach and teach people how to be better and do better and providing resources and education, etc but then they're not able to then flip it back and hold people accountable for their actions. And so then lean, lean on the education and the resources and the, and the training as the be all and end all. And then it doesn't solve anything and it doesn't move any conversation forward. That's right. The, the way that's a really good example, because what, what happens then is you're hoping the change happens by chance. Mm. Mm as opposed to the change happening by design. Mm. And that's the distinction between the two. Let's not leave this thing to chance. Let's do it by design yeah. because it's integrated and infiltrated in the way that we want to show up, mm. right? And then realize, you know, realize the incredible benefits of having divergent perspectives, people yeah. who can speak up, who can share their ideas and it's not held against them. Mm. Um, the, the, the tremendous creativity and innovation that happens as a result of that, like it, it's just, you know, outside of just the, everyone deserves to uh, be in an environment where they feel a sense of dignity, they feel a sense of belonging, they feel like they're included. Mm. The and to that mm -hmm. is, and if you help, if you let people contribute, wow, the organization just performs and your teams mm -hmm. perform. And, and it's, this is how I describe it. It's, I, thinking about what you just said is like, how do you move away from this being an and yeah. to it's just the way we are. It's just the way it is. It's not. And it's, just the way it is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How do you move away from this being the and, and actually this is, and this is where it goes back to, you know, whenever we speak to any, I speak to clients, whenever I speak about this, it's, it's how do you make sure that this is embedded into every day rather than yeah. it being, oh, oh, by the way, we're doing this because we need to fix this problem. Um, and we're going to do this training when we're going to do this education, but we're not going to hold anyone accountable for it. It should, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's alarming <laughs> that we haven't quite got to this accountability thing, but how, I guess my question is, how do you get businesses, individuals, organisations to start thinking about the accountability piece more um, and not shy mm. away from it? Because I think the problem is it's from fear. It's fear mm. of, we can't hold people accountable if we're not holding ourselves accountable personally, maybe, as leaders, yeah. or we can't hold other people accountable if we don't know enough about it to be able to have a discussion about it. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's yes. there's a fear element there. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think that um, 
there's real power in the compounding effects of the small moments. Mm. So let me give you an example. Um, you know, something that I, I like to say to people is that, you know, we're all riddled with biases. We're all riddled with biases, whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> we're all riddled with biases. You can't get rid of them. You cannot get rid of them. Um, and because of that, you're not responsible for your first thought. But you are responsible for your second thought and your first action. And so the power lies between your first thought and your first action, right? Because yeah. we're all riddled with biases. And so an example of a small moment is this. So if I think about hiring, you could have inclusive hiring principles and policies and so forth. But it's really important, and I talked about intentionality earlier, right? It's really important your mindset is, is, is front of mind in every small moment. Mm. So if you and I were about to hire someone, imagine if we had this conversation. Before we get started and before we, we invite the candidate into the room, how do we think our biases are going to show up in this conversation? Mm. And spend a few minutes just thinking about mm. how we think our biases are going to show up in this conversation. Yeah. Very quickly, in that small moment, it becomes front of mind. It does, yeah. And this is what I mean by intentionality, right? You have to be intentional and embed it as a first principle for it to be a behavior. And then over time, it becomes a habit, mm. right? And, you know, the example around the news article that you, you shared earlier, it, this, is, this is a small example of the importance of it being a first principle. Um, but you have to like make the effort and the intentionality for that to happen, actually. So intentionality has to be what we get used to doing more of and then it becomes habit. Completely. Yeah, um, yeah I like that. I mean, it, you know, I think the word psychological safety gets bounded around quite a lot as an example. Mm. Okay, cool. What are the small moments? The small moments are a lot of teams have team meetings. A lot of teams have team meetings. Imagine if you started a team meeting and say, look, before we before we start, can we just have some rules of engagement for this conversation? Yeah. Um, we want you to speak your mind constructively. We want people to assume positive intent. And we are we want to debate the ideas and not debate each other. Mm. Example. Yeah. I think you will have a really rich a richer open conversation where people realize actually i will voice my perspective in a constructive way and in a positive intent but i'll still voice it and you're intentionally set right that's a small moment of, of creating intentionality to live out this thing we're calling psychological safety it's also creating and boundaries I, as well, isn't it? It's creating boundaries, setting people's expectations as to what I expect this conversation to be, how I expect to be treated. Actually, that's it. It's common sense. We should do, we should all do that when we start in a conversation. That's it. But 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 the thing is, is that people, not people, but there is this misconception that this this happens in the big gestures and the big things. Yeah. And I guess I'm trying to draw people back to the small moments. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. I think when people think about any of this work, it's all it's all big picture stuff. It's actually, and, and it ha you have to sometimes bring it back to the small mm. moments. And I always say to people like, let's, let's not try and change the world tomorrow because actually we, we can try and have these small 
minute moments that eventually they'll all add up to bigger moments in the bigger picture and before you know it we've changed the world but you have to start with those small moments first 100% people remember the small moments and they'll you know they won't remember how you know what you said they'll remember you know how they made you feel mm. and oh, never underestimate I think it was Mary Angelou was it, it was uh, Mary Angelou yeah it was yeah, yeah yeah and I, and I think never Never underestimate, particularly as leaders, actually, don't mm. underestimate the small moments. Mm. Don't be afraid of them and don't overthink them, but but be intentional about them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and man, we, you know, we, we all get it wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> we all, I think you we all be, get it wrong. You have to be prepared to make the mistakes, though, right? You have to, you have to really um, allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to make those mistakes and be honest with yourself and with the people that are with you when you make those mistakes i think that's really a, Love that. a, a huge part of this work one of the Love questions that, that I, I i wanted to ask you because you know people always talk about the work and how hard it is and, and mm. but actually there is there are some really big rewarding aspects of doing this work and i think um you know you talked about it earlier about paying it back from you know from obviously from your childhood and stuff mm. so talk to me about some of the rewarding aspects of the space and um, in particular, you know, the impact that you've made and, and what it stands for and what it means to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I don't want to move away from the topic of the small moments, and I think this applies here, actually. Because um, a lot of the work we do, <laughs> as, you know, as we discuss, is, is invisible yeah. um, or it's not seen. Or actually, some of the work you're doing is you're laying the foundations for the future, actually yeah right so you never get to see you never always get to see that um don't get me wrong our responsibility is to ensure that you're able to measure progress and accountability etc right so you see it in the macro yeah but i'm talking about the micro and for me um it's those unexpected phone calls or those unexpected emails when someone will say nelson thank you for seeing me mm. That is the fuel that gets me going because mm. it reminds me that the reason why we're doing this work is because it actually affects an individual, a person, a human being. That's why you're doing it. Mm. You're doing it because, you know, at the end of the day, I think people want to feel seen. They want to feel heard. They want to feel recognized for the contributions that they've made and they want to be celebrated for the unique person that they are. Yeah. Uh, do you know what's so funny is that I think I've said something similar to what you've just said um, recently about when asked, you know, what's rewarding about this and like, how do you continue mm. doing it? And I always say it's when you get that one person that calls you or pulls you to one side and we get it a lot when we do training, um, you know, especially when we do like smaller groups and someone comes up to you and says I didn't think that I was going to get anything from this but I have and thank you for allowing me to see myself in a different lens mm. or understand a different perspective because it's going to now make such a huge impact for me or for my team and those mm. are those moments those small minute moments that I think when you go back to a board and you tell them and you try to explain the return on investment it's really hard to quantify that someone tell me that they felt seen that's how you've got your return on your money but you know and it is there's it's those one of those it's one of those small little moments that makes such a huge impact because we do this work not to to 
touch or change thousands and thousands of people's lives or, or every conversation it's it's if you're able to touch one person's life and make one person feel seen or valued that is better than no one at all and actually that means that 100%. that work has already paid itself off mm, yeah that, I, that's beautiful i love i love the way you said that and actually in the example that you gave it's it's a beautiful thing when a mirror is held to someone and they just they choose to look into it yeah mm. um and sometimes actually it's about holding it up several times and they eventually look into it and that's 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 a win yeah um especially when it comes to people with influence mm. because you know i always say when you're in a leadership position you're a cultural steward mm. and the impact of what you say and what you do is amplified 10x is, to yeah. everyone else in the organization and what you do is you then give other people permission to do the thing that they have a gut that they sh it's what's in their gut is the right thing to do yeah and you inspire others to do things differently um it's 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 a you know i always whenever i think about leadership it's it's not a it's not a weapon to be wielded for self-preservation. It's mm. a gift to be shared in the service of others. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you can be, if you can, if you can share this kind of, this movement of being more inclusive and so forth, I think it's, it's, it's a really powerful thing. And obviously these minute moments are really quite rewarding and, I, and, I, and I, I truly believe that I truly believe that what you said is 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 so true, and I think so many people will resonate with that. What you said, I guess. How do you measure the success of what you of the work that you do, um, on a day to day basis, or how would you recommend for people out there to measure the success? What metrics do, do should the people use? Yeah, um, I think being data and data driven and insights driven is really really important mm. um you know and i think being kind of very focused and what are the metrics they're going to be able to measure that focus is really really critical so whether that is about representation so if you've got a commitment to certain representation by a certain period of time then you know lean into the demographic data within your organization right to be able to understand whether or not you're making progress and then also the things that are going to help you to get to where you need to get to mm. um looking at things like pay equity whatever the case may be use the data to inform whether or not you're moving in the right direction um and not but and i think it's important to also understand sentiment mm. right what are people's experiences of inclusion what are people's experiences of of belonging right and so look there's there's lots of different ways you can do it such as engagement surveys um, but i also think there's real power in the smaller intimate conversations which are leader-led yeah um, where you truly get to hear and understand on the ground what people's experiences and perspectives are um, the other thing that I'd just say is, you know, when it comes to things like engagement and engagement surveys is where you can to be able to dive deeper. So to be able to dive deeper into the demographics of the people who are responding to the survey, because what can often happen is 
you get an you get an average score, <laughs> which is like, oh yeah, we're doing well. Yeah. And then when you look at the experience of, of certain communities, yeah. you're like, that is not how they're experiencing it. Mm. And so, um, you know, we talk about layers, and I think layers are important um, because a lot of the work we do is the most marginalized in in in, in society. Yeah. Like it's 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 the barriers that show up, um, and the challenges are are often higher. Yeah. I also think as well, like it's about understanding not just the layers but the intersections within those layers. Because mm. I think people forget that we're not all one dimension. We're not one dimensional people. We're not. And this is something that you know. I know that if Louisa was here right now, she would pipe in and say, you know, the one thing that I think I would love to. S- to see less of is 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 being people being put into boxes and categories mm. i think that's, i do think that that's a pop, one of the main problems that we have as a society is that everything is we put everything into a box into a category mm. and actually people aren't in boxes or categories because people intersect so much and i think right. understanding the experiences of of people in their intersections at that point will un- and within your business will help you understand where some of the pain points might be and where some of the advances could be made to make sure that those uh, those people in those intersections feel that they are seen and, and included because I actually think that the intersections are where people get forgotten the most because we're so busy dealing with those individual boxes so so important and I know you're I couldn't agree anymore um, and often because of the intersections the challenges are compounded actually um, because of that um, there's so someone once said to me, Hey, you know, the way I like to look at it is we might all be playing the same game, mm. but a bumpy pitch is not the same as a smooth one. Yeah. And so for some people they're playing on a smooth pitch and for others, there's potholes, yeah. there's mounds, there's mountains, there's blurred lines. And so it's not a, it's not an equal game. No, no, <laughs> and so, and so you're absolutely right. And so when it comes to intersections as well, like those, those challenges can sometimes be even more pronounced. Yeah. Um, this is, this is a bit of a throw a spanner in the work. Cause I'm just, I'm just curious mm. to find out what do you find, what, what aspect of the work in this space do you find the most enjoyable or do you just enjoy it all? Um, but, okay, so I am a builder personally. Okay. I love to build things. I love to love to build things. Okay. Um, so if you give me a blank canvas where we need to build something and create and innovate, yeah. and particularly when it comes to the topic of how do you create those experiences for people where they can thrive and not just survive, yeah. um, they can belong not be excluded um really which by the way as you know right these are really difficult things to do because <laughs> you're talking about humans yeah. <laughs> and every human is different right yeah. it's so hard um, to understand but... exactly how you can do that without really getting to the understand each individual human within that business or within that organization completely because yeah. it, it it you need to understand behavior mm. Um, you need to understand strategy. You need to understand influence. You need to be able to run a program. You need to be able to lead people. You need to be able to hold a mirror to people's face. Like there is a lot that goes on in this work. In this work, yeah. Um, and um, uh, I 
absolutely love the look back mm. to say we were we started on a black with a blank canvas and now look at the movement we're in because this work never ends right we'll look at the movements that we've made and the progress that 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 we've made mm. and you know those small moments you start to see those small moments of thank yous become a little bit more frequent yeah right yeah. and um I love this work because it's so multidimensional yeah. and for someone who likes to create and innovate and try to find the innovation in the intersections, mm. like it's, it's a really, it's a really exciting thing, but I mean, I, I, you know, I couldn't say that without also saying it just really drives me and it's a little really aligned to my purpose yeah. um, around, you know, unlocking those opportunities for other people. Mm. Um, you know, there's nothing, like filling your cup when you're working towards towards that mission. But, you know, like we've said it before, it's not easy. It's hard. I mean, I think there's a reason why the average tenure of a DNI practitioner, I think last time I read was like 18 months yeah. um, or two years, because it takes its it takes its it takes its toll on an individual. And so I think we need to talk more about well-being and um, you know setting up those change agents for success yeah. um, to be able to drive the change that people want to see. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Hey, what, yeah. what 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 lights your fire? What, I'm, what I'm, makes you? I'm excited? actually a bit similar. Um, mm. I like I'm creative, so well I least think I'm creative. Um, <laughs> I, I like creating stuff. I like think I like giving being given a problem and going away and mm. thinking about how to solve the problem or at least how to put things into place to make the problem better. Um, mm. um, I love creating training. Like I do actually enjoy creating DEI training. I love thinking that. So a lot of the stuff that we do at CSU is is through activity based training. So rather than it just mm. standing in front of a presentation, it's more about actually let's let's bring an activity in to bring something to life. So people can mm. understand it through games or or something like that. Um, mm. I like thinking about how to do that through through activity. I like creating those kind of activities in those moments. Um, mm. I do. I do also in in. I just really enjoy talking. Like I think there's a power, <laughs> or I think, and I think that's why I like some of the stuff that you you post because there is such a huge power of storytelling, and I love talking and unlocking those different stories with different people. And bringing those stories to the forefront of other people that potentially don't get an opportunity to hear those stories, um, mm. and I think I think I yeah I think I've started to find that that is really my calling and something that I'm passionate about um, mm. is, is is about those storytelling because I think I think there's especially like when I start to a lot of the time in our training sessions or our workshops and stuff I talk a lot about my experience. Um, and what things that I've kind of been through and things that I've learned and people still to this day are alarmed by some of the things that happen in the workplace you know for certain you know marginalized communities so I think there is definitely a need for more stories to be shared um, about mm. the experiences mm. that you know aren't so good in the workplace um, mm. and I think, I think yeah I you do that beautifully by the way you're an incredible storyteller really? um, and yeah and did you know what um you listen really intently. Mm. Um, you, yeah, you listen really intently. So I just from our re- conversations, so from our yeah, probably, <laughs> maybe, you're pretend, maybe you're pretending to. But I'm so, you so do, glad you do. That this is recorded. I'm gonna say I'm gonna play this back later on to my partner. Yeah, exactly. Like, I listen intently. <laughs> this is official. <laughs> it's official. I listen <laughs> intently. 
Yeah, but you, you de 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 definitely, I think it is one of your superpowers. Mm, okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm now going to have the biggest head. This is going to be amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so my question that I'm going to end on is, which I think I, I tend to ask most most people that come on as a as a guest, which is like, mm. what advice would you give individuals or organisations looking to enhance their commitment to the DEI space? Where should they start? Um, who should they reach out to? Those kind of things. Like, who, oh, and and also to tag on to that, how do you learn more about stuff in this space as well? Yeah, I I um. Back in the day, if you'd asked me the question, I'd be like, "I, you know, I, this this book, um, mm. right? Or it's this it's this specific kind of individual training courses, which are still in, relevant and important." But I, the and to that is, um, the conversations that I have, the people and the community that I surround myself with, and the thought leaders in that. So I think about people like. You know, Jonathan Lamptey, um, I think about Joe Abayi, I think about Shireen Daniels. Like, these are thought leaders that are sharing mm. really powerful perspectives mm. um, through, our, through conversations, but also through what they're sharing things like LinkedIn and on social media. And it's really thought-provoking. And um, what I love about it, 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 it kind of, for me, triggers me to discover more. Mm. Like, ah, okay, let me learn more about that bit. And so I think that that's my, um, that has been my muse um, when it comes to kind of just learning more is how do I make sure that I'm leaning into the community and the thought leaders in this space and what are they saying and how are they talking about it and how can they challenge my thinking? Mm. Um, I'd say um, it's a really important question that you asked around the change. I think, I think, when we, I'm going to repeat myself slightly, but I think we as human beings, we all have those desires that I just described of feeling seen, heard, yeah. recognized, and and celebrated. And I, and I'd like to think that, um, I'd like to think that we also want to extend the same experiences to other people. I think, mm. I think you know, that we want to have that positive intent for other people, but we are all trapped in our own paradigm. And sometimes people don't realize that their experiences are not exactly the same experiences as that person that's sitting next to you. Yeah. And so um, leaning into learning and understanding and becoming more aware that people have very different experiences to you doing exactly the same thing, that the challenges that they're going through are very different to your challenge and the barriers are some potentially higher depending on who you're speaking to um that's a really important starting point because you, you use the word empathy mm. and i think the the better we can lean into being to being able to help people to empathize yeah the more we can start the conversation about the change that needs to happen yeah and i love what you just said as well about storytelling and storytelling is such a powerful way to create that empathy yeah. um, because everyone can, everyone can associate and resonate with stories. Right. And, yeah. and, and you can use stories, really use storytelling to, to your, to your advantage. Um, but the one thing that I'd just say is, um, and use the word vulnerability, right? It takes a lot of vulnerability to share your story, yeah. especially when it's a challenging one. And what you don't want to do is, um, 
misuse and take advantage of that vulnerability mm-hmm. by not doing something about it. Yeah, because you can get, cause you get yeah. people that, that then open up and they show their vulnerability and they share their story and they tell you about situations that, you know, that could do with being sorted or fixed or solutions being found and then you don't do anything with that information, that person won't want to share their story again. That That's person, completely right. That person then doesn't feel seen, doesn't feel heard, doesn't feel like their 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 story is even valued and then has a knock-on effect to their well-being. So it's very mm. dangerous territory if you don't do anything with that information. Definitely. Um, and it's... It's unaccept- unacceptable to ask somebody to relive their trauma. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I really, you know, you were talking about rules of engagement. Yeah. Like all of this stuff can't happen by chance. It has to happen by design. Even things like inviting someone to, to be vulnerable. Mm. There needs to be rules of engagement around what is this going to look like and what are we going to do about it? And, and And make that, you know, and make that commitment. So... To the question that you're asking, I think you asked, I think that um, really leaning into how do we create more empathy and then lean into how do you ensure you create the right commitment? Those mm. are two really, really critical ingredients. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. I mean, I, we can talk forever <laughs> about this yeah. stuff. About this. I mean, we, I haven't even got into some of like the more juicy questions that I really want to get into. <laughs> Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, my, some of our listeners will be like, just keep going. <laughs> but I, yeah, Louise will be like, oh, stop you. talking. <laughs> um, so I, I think I'm going to round it up there because otherwise we will go on forever. Um, and mm. I'm conscious of time, but thank you so much for that. And, and I think there's been some really great pieces of information that people can take from that, inf- that, that conversation and really help drive their, some changes in their businesses also just thinking about how where to start um, and how to start and how to do it properly and do it safely for mm. the people that work within their businesses. Um, and also if you want to not doing it within a business, because I always forget that, you know, not everyone, not everyone wants to do it for a business. Some people are trying to make changes for themselves and actually it's, it's, some people are doing it individually. So, you know, mm. if you're as an individual, there's some people that, that, that Nelson mentioned that you should probably go and follow and, and listen to because you can learn so much from just being on social media and following the right people and listening to some different perspectives around the world that we live in. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, the, for that conversation. Um, we're going to jump into our quick fire questions and then we'll end on our manifestations. So I've got a few quick fire questions. You just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Really simple. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> you are 100 years old. You have all your faculties. Where in the world would you want to be? Kenya. Nice. Lovely. Mm. Never been. It's on my list. It's on my bucket list. I need to get to Kenya. Mm. Um, what's your go to snack? Peanuts. <laughs> Is it? Peanuts. <laughs> So it's become such a habit now like literally i'm like i'm a bit hungry i'm gonna get some peanuts salted <laughs> or non-salted uh d- definitely salted yeah. um there's something indulgent about it and i'm obsessed with i'm obsessed every meeting i go to i always pull out of my bag some nuts and there's someone that always, yeah. there's this guy that i work with his name's tom and every time i go to meeting he's like 
why do you have nuts everywhere you go? And I'm like, because they're a, they're a slightly healthy, easy snack and you can carry it around. And I always have yeah. nuts. And even when I do training, if I do in training, I'll buy nuts and hand them out for people. I love nuts. Totally. Totally. I, I look at the label, but ignore everything apart from the protein number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the nuts. I am here for the nuts. What's your superpower? Um, influencing without authority. Mm, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I, I, I'm really... I feel very blessed that I get to be doing the kind of work that requires that quite a lot. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. What does bravery mean to you? Um, being in the arena. Mm. Um, you know, it, bravery means showing up even when you're afraid. Yeah. Um, your, your voice is shaking. It's quivering sweating you're nervous but you're there yeah um i think it takes a lot of courage and bravery to to just to just do it just to show up yeah mm. um and last one um what show would you recommend to binge watch <sighs> you know i don't watch an awful lot of um... i feel like i'm the only person that watches tv anymore like every, 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 every guest we've had last three or four guests they've been like i don't really watch tv and i'm like what like i don't watch tv anymore am i the only step person that's like needs something to mind numb my brain uh one thing that i will say is um you know back in the you know a few years ago when game of thrones was a was 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 the thing right yeah. um and I was sort of late. We were sort of late to the game. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty sure, like, if you compact put them all together, like, it, it should take like a month to get through them. And yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, whatever is the like official allocated time, considering how many hours are in the day and how many hours you need to sleep. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, we halved that. Wow. wow. <laughs> so we took binging to um, oh, to another level. extreme. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I got completely sucked into that. All right, so I'm going to ask a different question then because you don't watch TV. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> this is from my good friend, Brene. Love Brene Brown. She's like my bestie. Mm. <laughs> you, are called to, you are called to be brave. What's the first thing you do? The first thing that came into my mind was kindness, actually. Mm. I think, I think, I think, um, and I, I don't confuse kindness with niceness. Mm. Right? Mean? As in, I think um, sometimes, for example, I might need to tell you a truth. And the nice thing to do might be to not tell you. Mm. But the kind thing to do would be to, to tell, tell you. you. Yeah. Yeah, and so and 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 but to be kind, it also requires you to be brave, right? Yeah. Um. So I I I think that's probably why kindness came to my top of my head is because I think they they are intrinsically linked to get to each other. I love that because I I have this thing where I like I I always say to people I am kind, but I don't think I'm necessarily going out of my way to try and be nice. I'd rather be mm. kind than nice because and my kindness always comes from being honest and people mm. struggle with that because I'm always like, I'd rather always be honest and tell you how, as it is 
than than be nice and lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think people are so used to being nice and lying because that's the way that it's always been done and actually forget that then people aren't growing and people aren't learning and people aren't being better at the, their better versions of themselves by us mm. all just lying to each other. Um, mm. So I, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really glad that you said that because I resonate mm. very much with that. Very, very much. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So important to be kind. So, so, so important. important. Right. So yeah. we have now come to the end and it is the bit of our show that I love the most. It's our manies of the week. And I'm going to gong us in just to like chill the vibe down. I've got a little gong. And we haven't gonged, <laughs> we haven't gonged in a while on this show. So I'm going to, I'm going to gong. Let's see if it works. Right. Take a deep breath, everyone. Um, so my manifestation this week is to believe in myself I don't know if I've manifested this before probably have but I think there's been moments in the last week in the last couple of weeks that I've, I've, I've really like not believed in my own abilities and not really believed that I can do stuff I actually gave a presentation a couple of weeks ago and I, I was quivering and sweating and I was yeah. delivering something that I've delivered before I don't know if it's because I was tired or whatever, but I was, I didn't believe in myself in that moment. And there's been a few moments where I've not believed in myself. And I think confidence is, is funny. It's a funny old thing is confidence because sometimes people think you've got it and you really haven't got it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm manifesting more belief in myself, my abilities and, and where I can go with them. Because sometimes you get one knock and it knocks you to six and you completely forget that you have got the ability to do stuff. So that mm. is what I'm manifesting this week is more belief in myself. So people, if you see me walking down the street strutting and there's like there's like wind behind me, you understand that I am believing in myself. Oh, love that. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, love that. What's your, manifest my turn? What's your manifestation this week? Um, gratitude. Gratitude is is just um, I feel really an overwhelming, and I need to continue to feel this overwhelming sense of gratitude. And I think I can often I often think about what I don't have, and I need to remind myself of the things that I do have. Mm. Um, mm. And you know the, the 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 gifts and the blessings and the people that are around me have been there and will be there for me as well yeah. and just having overwhelming sense of kind of gratitude for where I'm at and um and yeah and the exciting I don't know the exciting chapters um that are ahead so yeah that that kind of St. Paul's moment really reminded me of gratitude mm, yeah so powerful. yeah Oh, well, we've come to the end of the road, peeps. Um, Nelson, thank you so much for joining me or uh, on this conversation. It's been it's been wonderful. I've, I've learned so much. It's been very cathartic. It's been very therapeutic. Um, I do feel like my cup is replenished already for the week, so I'm I'm ready for the week ahead. I feel like I've got like a new a new. Leap, leap, lease of life when it comes to this space just from talking to you which I always do I always feel like whenever I'm around you I feel like you've got this nice positive aura um, which is great so thank you so much for coming on 
Oh, bless you. Thank you so much for having me. It's, honestly, it's been such an honor. And um, I always love speaking with you and love getting into today's conversation. And yeah, you got lots of pearls of wisdom. So um, I'm definitely taking a lot away from this discussion. And uh, yeah, thank you again for having me and bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, peeps, um, go and follow Nelson on, on LinkedIn because he shares some incredible stories as as we've mentioned um and some daily inspirational quotes which i'm all about I, back in the day i used to share my own daily inspirational quotes but I, I i gave up because i just i just i couldn't fathom so go and follow nelson he's doing amazing stuff um and thank you everyone for joining us on another episode of on the sofa with sisu stay brave stay curious and stay honest 